right, dude. Yeah. I've got something to tell you, and I have a feeling you're going to be a little bit upset about it. Okay. Now, what if I was to tell you that something that you love, that you thought wasn't going to happen, not only was happening, but actually just happened. And by just, I mean we probably just missed it. Um, I'm nervous. You're a vision. Have we ever talked about that on the pod? No, I'm not sure we have. But <clears throat> so we I, need to give some context. We need to we? Come, come clear. So, virtual Eurovision has just happened. Like it started at eight o'clock. We missed it. Okay. Basically. And we, both you and I, mm-hmm. are avid watchers of the Eurovision Song Contest. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Now, the reason for me mm-hmm. and for you mm-hmm. is. Quite simple. It is the best car crash television that exists. Oh, I just hit my head on the fucking microphone. (laughs) (laughs) She just nutted the microphone. Sorry. Um, It is. It's fucking bonkers. Yeah. This is car crash fucking audio at at best. Wow. I don't care, man. Yeah. We both (laughs) love. Well, you used to host a legendary Eurovision party where we would all. Get given turn a random up, country. Pick a country. No, we wouldn't even then, pick, uh, would we? They were randomly assigned. We had to pick oh, out that's a hat, right, yeah. didn't we? And it was just to see who won, and <laughs> the winner got a little trophy. <laughs> well, I've just this second remembered a story that I swear I have not thought about since it happened that centres around Eurovision. So when I was about 17... Um, Kendall, who I've mentioned before on the podcast, who I used to live with, um, prior to us living together, we were friends, whatever, and he invited me round to his um, house. He was living with his dad at the time. We're both still at college. And he had a girlfriend. And his girlfriend had a younger sister. And because of there's a couple of years age difference between Kendall and I, I, her sister was the same age as me. So he sort of orchestrated this kind of double date because I had previously seen said sister um, and found her attractive. Um, So he'd orchestrated this double date, as it were. He'd already was going out with one of them and blah, blah, blah. And so we're in the kitchen just kind of chatting and doing what you do when you're young and and dickhead. Um, And all of a sudden I realised that it was Eurovision. Right. Now, Eurovision is not the coolest thing <laughs> to admit that you Especially like. Especially not when someone doesn't realise it's completely ironically. I mean, yes, there are some decent songs that turn up. I mean, it is one. ironic, Generally, but I still love it. Like, even yeah. though it, I know it's terrible, I do still love watching it. Um, yes. and And also, <laughs> the older I got... I can remember you and I sat on the sofa 
Um, I will come back to the story. But you and I <laughs> sat on the sofa at one of your, everyone else is in the kitchen having a party and you and I are sat there arguing about the, or not arguing, <laughs> debating about the geopolitical edge of Eurovision. And I can't remember who it was. Someone came into the room and, and listened to this conversation unbeknownst to us. And we're like, you two are the worst. Because we were debating. Well, of course they're going to give it because it's fucking this and fucking Malta. And <laughs> But anyway, so we'll go back to the party. So I'm thinking to myself, oh shit, I really want to watch Eurovision. And I also know that Kendall also really likes Eurovision as well. <laughs> but, but so I kind of, and I, I think I, I think, in fact, I didn't smoke then. So I probably didn't go out for a cigarette, but we ended up away from the ladies. And I said, mm. dude, it's fucking Eurovision tonight. We're going to miss it. And with that, we abandoned all like kind of teenage partyness and went into his tiny living room him and i sat on the sofa they sat on the floor and we made them watch the entirety of the eurovision song contest and oh it was God. the year that the cello band apocalyptica were the sort of like famous bands to be playing halfway through right. and we turned it up really loudly in the living room and we're essentially headbanging to four scandinavian blokes playing cellos at the eurovision song, at the eurovision song contest with these two <laughs> wonderful beautiful lovely ladies sat on the floor and then they got up and left of course they didn't mate we always seal the deal e <laughs> if only that was fucking true <laughs> Lee, you're a dad. Yeah. You have two beautiful children. So I wonder if you can answer any of these questions for me. Why do no dads ever want to admit that they're sleeping when they fall asleep? <laughs> why must what, they say... In, a, in an armchair? Yeah. Why must it be like, no, I was just resting my eyes? Do you know what? I don't know. Why do dads have to sneeze so loud? What are they gaining from it? <laughs> Why do dads always shake a handful of M&Ms before putting them in their mouth? <laughs> Why it's do like dads think they can outsmart a GPS? Why do dads stand up to watch TV? Why do dads ask for the weirdest things for their birthday? Like, no, I'm not going to get you some gravel. <laughs> Why do dads take grilling and barbecuing so seriously? Why do dads always grunt when they sit down? Why do dads handwrite everything in capital letters? What are they trying to prove? <laughs> Look, man. Leave us alone. We have our ways. Why did dads turn the radio off when looking for a parking spot? Concentrating. Why do all dads of a certain age answer the phone yellow? <laughs> I do not do that. Why do dads have to have really thick wallets? No, don't do that either. That's really annoying. Um, why do dads have to back everyone else they know into every parking spot <laughs> why did dads always have change in their pockets because we're cheap 
why do dads always want to eat free mints out of a bowl at a restaurant? Now, I can go against that because I fucking hate mint. Yeah, I mean, that's mental. What, but I hate mint? Yeah, I love mints. It's fucking disgusting. What do you mean it's disgusting? It's a mint. Mint should only be in polo or chewing gum form or in sauce form on a bit of lamb. There's no place for it. Hang on. That is, out of all of the... Out of all the bombshells you've dropped on me today, that is the word. What do you, you? A polo is literally a fucking mint, mate. It's just got a hole in the middle of it. Yeah, it's fine. It's a mint. It's not delivered with chocolate as an accompaniment. An after dinner mint, nine times out of ten, is one of those little after eight fucking chocolate. No, mints. it's fucking not. It's a yeah, it's a it sugar coated mint in a bowl. What restaurants do you go to that give you an after eight when you fucking walk out? <laughs> <laughs> It's not a nineteen nineties <laughs> Christmas day. But you play that game where you stick one to your forehead and try and lick it down your face. Like what's a waste? Now I'm covered in chocolate. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't, I feel like I don't even fucking know you. Mint and lamb lamb, mint sauce and lamb is disgusting. Yeah. Incorrect. It sir. is disgusting. Uh, no, I I will not I'm not happy. Honestly, if someone put a minted lamb shank in front of me, I'd just fucking puke all over it. Instantly. <gasps> and that was the last episode of The Battlement <laughs> because both Lee and Ryan spontaneously combusted. <laughs> Do you remember, Lee, and listeners as well, do you remember the TV show Barney? I do. The big purple dinosaur. Absolutely. Have you ever wondered what Barney is up to now? (laughs) I mean, not recently, no. (laughs) Well, listeners, if you've been wondering, I know I sure have, I found out the answer because the guy who played Barney the dinosaur now runs a tantric sex business. Sorry, what? He started his current practice in 2004 and finds clients any number of ways, from word of mouth to converting women he's met on Tinder. A full session with Tantra massage specialist and spiritual healer David Joyner lasts three to four hours and costs $350. For that price, female clients, the only kind he accepts, can expect to receive a ritual bath, chakra balancing, and a massage. Also on the menu, cosmic, mind-blowing orgasms. Now, my first question is, do you think he still wears the suit? Oh, I I fucking hope so. I really, really hope so. But he goes on to explain his technique, which is just fantastic. So... (laughs) <laughs> he believes that the latter, i.e. these cosmic mind-blowing orgasms, can be achieved through massage alone. But okay. the goal of a session is to fully release a woman's blocked energy. When the lingam, 
and the yoni meet, lingam is the word he uses for penis and yoni the word for vagina, <laughs> there's a certain energy that takes place that hands oh, on yeah. the body alone cannot create. Now, I want to read that statement to you again. Go on. When the penis and the vagina meet, there's a certain energy that takes place that hands on the body alone cannot create. It's like, well... Yeah, yeah, otherwise we'd just be fucking <laughs> patting each other on the back all the time, wouldn't we? Says Joyner58, <laughs> whose yogi-like presence is often accompanied by a warm smile when he meet, uh, when we meet for the so, first sorry, of several what? interviews. Hang on. Yep. Did the person describe him as a, a cartoon bear? I mean, I'm pretty sure in that context they mean akin to some kind of spiritual leader but that was my first instance is I mean, he dressed as yogi bear because exactly. he's probably got quite a lot of suits <laughs> um, but then he says even through g-spot massage it's still not the same energy that flows right hang on mm-hmm. fairly certain mm-hmm. that fingering <laughs> i said it Little, a little fucking fist blast. Wait, fist blast? That's a whole different thing. (laughs) It's a a complete opposite. You know, tickling the sponge is very much different to tantric, non-contact based sex. Well, this is the thing, because this article is fantastic. It's from Vice, which I don't normally particularly like, but the way that they've kind of put things together so he says this is um the, the this is mr joiner says the energy i brought up while in the costume is based on the foundation of tantra which is love everything stems grows and evolves from love even when you have emotional emotionally blocked energy the best way to remove it is to remove it with love and then replace it with god's divine love love heals and allows you to continue to grow Barney, of course, radiated pure, joyful love. It was part of what children, still full of innocence, found so appealing about him. And it's what many parents, beaten down to various degrees by the sobering realities of the world, so <laughs> found so goddamn cloying. Joyner gave his expression that to that love through his physical portrayal of the exuberant T-Rex. Before the stint, it was mostly actor bob west who gave the voice to the character i'm sure bob west is glad to get a name check in a fucking article about the bloke who used to play barney um and he goes on man i'm not shitting you this article would take me about 20 minutes to read (laughs) like it he goes into serious serious fucking detail I mean, if you got a backing track for it, I could listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, but what I find, the, the thing that's going to stay with me, I think, is yeah. I often shared with the crew that the energy I brought up in the costume is based on the foundation of Tantra, love. Now, I'm pretty it's sure... Not that there's slight dichotomy in the idea that the bloke who was in a big fucking purple suit is now talking about the fact that he discovered his understanding of tantric sex whilst playing a purple dinosaur on TV. A kid's show. A kid's show. But it did get me thinking. I would love to find out what happened to all of these kind of childhood entertainers. 
Or the ones in the suits. Like Mr. Blobby. <laughs> like, what the fuck happened Where to is Mr. Blobby, Blobby now? Where is Blobby? Because I tell you what, if Blobby's lurking around a corner, I am not okay with that. Because <laughs> Blobby is fucking terrifying. Blobby, Blobby! It's just, I want to know what happened to Mr. Nightmare Blobby. Nightmare fuel. And if we have any power on this platform of any sort of journalistic integrity... I want to know what happened to Mr. Blobby. We're going to track him down. Let's find out. Tune the in next time to <laughs> What the Fuck Happened to the Bloke Who Was in the Suit Played with Mr. Blobby, Blobby. <laughs> Blobby. Blobby. <laughs> He's just a really sophisticated old... Well, you know, Blobby was the first... Uh, <laughs> the first method <laughs> role I ever took on as a young actor. Of course, um, every time he says the word Blobby, yeah. It actually refers to a Latin derivative. Well, so it sort of dichotomizes <laughs> society's understanding of the world in which we currently exist. I think Blobby was really the sort of forerunner for all of this sort of this, this divided society. And I think actually Blobby acts as a, as a perfect metaphor for the way that the country is currently dealing with coronavirus. Uh, and I think that actually what we need and what we should ask ourselves are more fervent and regular basis is you know what would blobby do what would he actually do i think if we ask ourselves what blobby would do rather than what we're doing then i think we would find a sort of path to righteousness which we've been so vehemently looking for of course all of this can be summed up by blobby's very famous 1998 labor party speech in which he said blobby 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 it's the equivalent of one of us. It's, going, it's me going up to people going, Ryan, 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 Ryan. It's literally the same thing. Like, why do you keep saying your own... No, Ryan, 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 Ryan. It's like, oh, fuck it, hell. 